Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're starting a new series, and I've titled it Wandering Worshipper. Wandering Worshipper. As we approach uh, Christmas, as, as we talk about uh, different elements of the Christmas story, I want to pull some truths from the Word of God about worship. I, I want to try to talk about really why we worship. Really why we do what we do, how we do it, uh, the reason that we do it. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but worship is not a song. Worship is way deeper than a song. Worship is way deeper than something we do on a Sunday morning. And we're going to jump into it together. I want to go to Matthew chapter 2. And so we're going to be focusing on uh, the three wise men. Uh, in, in, in the Bible, and uh, we're, they're going to be our backdrop for really uh, some of our thoughts on worship. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to what? Worship him. We've come to worship him. Wise men traveled over 900 miles following the star. And the reason that they came was that they came to, the Bible says, to worship him. They were on this journey. They were searching for him. They were looking for him. And I don't know if you've ever, like, tried to, like, really find something, or maybe let me say it this way, you've really lost something that then you had to find. You know, the panic mode, you retrace your steps. I mean, you, you, my mom used to say these famous words. She, she used to say, well, it has to be somewhere. It's like, right. Thank you for that. It is somewhere. The problem is that we don't know the somewhere in which it is. It is somewhere. I remember years ago, uh, Jamie and, uh, had come home in a panic because she had lost her wedding ring. And that put me in a panic. And so now we're both panicking and we're trying to retrace steps. She says, I don't know. I just looked down and it's gone. And uh, she loves her ring. Um, I love her ring because of what I had to do to get it. It used to be my jet ski. But it became her ring, you know, sacrifices, true love. And so I'm like, whoa, no jet ski and no ring. Like, this is not good. And so we're retracing our steps. And, 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 and then she, uh, you know, no, nobody casts judgment, okay? This judgment-free zone. This is the church, okay? Um, but, but she had been tanning, okay? She slipped up. Everybody sins once in a while. And, and, and so she, she, she went tanning, and she says, the only thing I can think about is maybe, like, in the tanning salon, like, I, I, I dropped it somewhere, I lost it, and so I jump in the car, I'm like, I'm going to the tanning salon. So I show up, and they're like, sir, you know, what are you here for? You don't, like, are you tanning? I'm like, no, I'm not tanning, I just need in room nine. They're like, okay, whoa, 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 security, this guy. And I'm like, listen, I, I just, I really need, I really need, my wife was here. We think she might have lost her wedding ring. I need to get in room nine. And, and, and so they let me in, and I'm in there. I'm looking everywhere, and I can't, I don't see it. You know, I'm looking around the crest. Okay, whatever. So I thought, well, I'll just look in the garbage. So I look, and I'm going through tanning bed garbage. 
Yeah. And, and about everything you think, that yes. And, and, so, and so I'm going through, and there at the bottom of the garbage can was her wedding ring. She had put, when, when she had t- put lotion on or something or whatever, the ring had come off and went right, washed her hands and, and, and went right into the garbage, and, and we found it. I'm going to tell you this. The, the greater the search, the greater the reward in finding. The greater the value of what you're looking for actually increases the value of finding as well. If the ring didn't mean anything to us, it wouldn't have been a big deal if we lost it. But the fact that it meant so much to us, not just in financial value, but in, in, in emotional value, it meant something to us, to our relationship, to our marriage. And because it meant something to us, the journey in finding it became very panicked, very passionate, very focused, very determined. But the joy in finding was much greater because of the value of what we had lost. When we're talking about the wise men, it's not just the three guys that we see in the nativity scene. It's deeper than that. I was actually just recently watching, uh, we took our boys to watch uh, this new cartoon, Star. And, and, and so we went to watch this movie, and, and it's about the nativity. It's awesome. And so they, I don't know if they liked it. I was into it. And, and I'm crying. I'm laughing. And, and, but I, I just started to think about, like, this Christmas story, because... Sometimes growing up, I'm just going to be real with you, the Christmas story is like something I'm kind of trying to get through because my dad said we had to do the Christmas story before we opened presents, which was punishment. And looking back, dad, I don't know if that helped too much because I kind of despised the, the Christmas story. Selfish or whatever, I'm trying to get to the presents. And, and so I think that in, 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 the, in the, all the joy and the Christmases, the Christmas spirit, the Christmas story can lose some value. And I want you to think about these three wise men because the three wise men, and we know them to be three, but scholars say there could have been much more. They brought three gifts, so we, in our minds, think that there must have been three wise men because it's a gift for everyone. It's just real simple, one, 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 you know. Uh, but there could have been a lot of wise men that brought three different gifts. We don't know, but the, the fact of the matter is they came following a star from over 900 miles away. They, can you just imagine they're wise men, and, and they're following a, a, a star. I mean, can you imagine, like, someone driving through our parking lot, and we're like, excuse me, you know, you're here for church? No. I'm a wise man. Okay, but where are you going? I'm just, I'm just following the stars. Like, oh, you're one of those. Like, we, we know, Okay. This is what the wise men, they're, they're following a start. They're on camels. They're walking through the desert. They're on their way somewhere. And all they had was distant prophecies that had said that a king would be born. They had different memories, different thoughts, or different studies that said that a star would lead to a place. And so because they followed the star 900 miles, they are on their way. And their purpose was to get to Jesus, to worship him. So I want to talk about worship for a second because I think a lot of us, and, and, and maybe not in this church, maybe other churches around the world, but our purpose is not always to worship. Our, our purpose to find is oftentimes because we need. 
But the wise men didn't come to Jesus because they needed something. The wise men came to Jesus because they saw he was something. And they wanted to worship him. They wanted to give worth to him. They wanted to declare praises to him. They wanted to get in the same vicinity. They wanted to get in close proximity so that they could, they could have worshipped from anywhere, right? But they had to get to him. They had to search for him so that they could be there to worship him. Have you ever felt like there was more, more to God than what like you've already experienced? You ever felt like that? I mean, you come to church, you're, you're in the routine, you're in the mode of things, you go to Bible study, you do a group, but, but, but you just like deep down in your heart, you feel like there might be something more. There might be something deeper. I think that this is what was in the wise men's hearts, is that there must be something more. Do you know all throughout history that has been the cry of the human condition, is that there must be something more than this. There must be something bigger than me. There must be something outside of me. That wondering, the Bible says, was put in our heart by God. The Bible says that eternity was set into the heart of men, that we would think outside of us. If you ever wondered that, I want you to know this, that that worship is the connector to the heart of God. Worship is what takes you past what you've known and into what He is. Worship takes you past your current situation and into your future possibility. This is what worship does. Worship is a connector. Have you ever felt like, 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 even in worship, have you ever felt like, 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 why are we doing this? Like, like uh, you know, like, why are we singing these songs? Why are those lights in my eyes? Why are my ears ringing? Why are they singing a song that I don't know? Like, how can I worship God if I haven't sang this song for the last 10 years? It's a real question, people, people ask. I mean, it's a real, real question. It's like, I don't know why. I, I, just, I, want, I want you to know, I want to, I want to look at what exactly worship is. Why we worship. How we worship. Who we worship. Let me just tell you something about God. God does not exist for us. We exist for him. God does not exist. That means that, that when we worship, worship is not for him. Worship really, it is for us. And I'll explain it to you, but but worship is not technically about us. It's about him. There's a comedian, Tim Hawkins. He does like a little little skid, you know, on different ways that we worship. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but he talks about like the different poses of worship. And if you came into this church and this is your first time, you probably saw some of these and you're like, you know, some of you probably come, you know, you grew up in a hand-raising church, vocal church, passionate church. But some of you came in today and you're like, oh, whoa. This is new. I get that a lot from, from guests, and, and, and they, they're like, uh, uh, it was different. It's like, difference never usually great, but uh, any, anyways, but you come in, and, and people do different, do different things. And, and so Tim Hawkins says, like, like, you have different poses of worship, like, like this. It's the starter pose. That's the, that's the carry the TV worship, you know. And then he says, as you get more free, then you just... That's big screen. And, and, and then, it, you know, you start, you start going through and, and, and there's all kinds of different ones. You know, like, my, like this one is like when you're really starting to get deep. You know, you got both hands up. And this, my, my fish was this, this big. That's unless you're a liar. 
That's what he says. It's like, it's a, he, goes, he goes through all of these, these different ones, and, in, and my favorite one is, is this. You know, wash the window. What, <laughs> prom queen, whatever. I, guess I, kind of want to, I, I like to add to some of my own, like, 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 you know, like, I like the stank face worshipers. I, I, should, I shouldn't say that. Like, like, the, like, the, um, like the miserable worshiper, you know, like this. I mean, it's like, you're like, I'm so full of the joy of God. And like, I don't know what your experience has been with worship. I've seen some wild things in my day. And, 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 and I'll just tell you, your spirituality is not by which pose that you take in worship. And I'm going to tell you this, worship is not a pose. Worship isn't just something that we do to impress God or to impress people around us. Worship, let me just tell you a couple things worship is not. Worship is not a song. It's like, there's my song, I can worship now. Worship is not a song. Worship is so much deeper than an individual song that someone wrote. Worship is deeper than that. Worship is not a style. Well, I can't worship with that style. You should be able to go into a church that has no instruments and sings and worships God, and you should be able to worship God. You should be able to go into a church where you have blinding light in your eyes and a song that you don't know, and, and you should be able to worship God. You should be able to go into a stadium with a lot of crazy believers and have music so loud you can barely talk. And actually, that might be good, you know? It's like, it's so loud you can't talk to anybody, you just got to focus. And, 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 and you need healing afterwards. I mean, it's just like win-win. Uh, you, you need to be able to go into any atmosphere, any environment, and be able to worship because worship is not about your exterior surroundings. Worship is about your internal, the internal condition of your heart. Worship is not a show. Worship's not a show. Well, why do we have lights and smoke and all of those things? Worship's not, it is not to make worship a show. It is to do the best with every tool that God's given us to create an excellent presentation of the gospel to make it easy for people to worship, easy for people to run after Jesus, and to do the best to reach every generation with the musical, musical expression that God has given to us. It, it, th th there's a reason why we do different things, but it's not so worship becomes a show. Let me tell you what worship is. Worship is a sacrifice. Because when worship doesn't doesn't correlate with my internal or with my exterior circumstances. Now worship has to be a sacrifice because I don't just worship when I feel good. I worship because he's good. I don't just worship when everything aligns in my life. I worship because I know that God has his hand on my life. Even though the situation doesn't look good today, I can trust God that he is going to carry me through. And so I worship not for things or because of pain. I worship in spite. Pastor Ben preached beautifully last week, and he talked about gratitude. and talked about having a grateful heart, praising through your problem. And I'm going to tell you, worship goes hand in hand with gratitude. And I would venture to say that worship is an expression of gratitude. Because when you're really grateful, worship is the overflow of your heart. Worship is a sign. What, is, what does that mean? Worship is a sign. Worship is a, a, a sign for you and for me as we get closer to God. It, it is a sign to God that our hearts are committed to Him. 
It is a sign to God that our hearts are devoted to Him. Because worship says, God, you're great. It is a sign to God that we know. You know, when you, when you, when you praise God, God's never going, wow, she thinks I'm great? Oh my goodness, he, th- he thinks I'm the God of the universe. Awesome. Like, I'm going to be amazing today. That, that's not what God's saying. When we tell God who he is, it is not because he has forgot. But it tells God that we know. It declares to God, I know you're good. I know you're God. I know you saved me. I know you rescued me. I know you redeemed me. I know your hands on my life. I know your anointings on my life. I know you can bring me through. Because God sees our circumstances, but when he hears our praise, which contradicts our circumstances, he can say, they get it. They understand. They got it. Because they can understand that if they can tell me, if I can know that praise comes from them and worship comes from them, I can see that their heart is in the right spot. Praise through a problem. Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2, talking about worship. It says, clap your hands, all you nations. Anybody ever wonder why we clap hands in church? It is not because it is, the, it is our accepted mode of applause for any type of excitement or to kill any awkward moment in our life. The Bible says clap your hands. The, the Bible says clap your hands, all your nations. Shout to God. Shout to God. You ever heard a quiet shout? Aren't those cute? There's not, there's not very many of them. It's a shout. It's a shout. Why do people shout and worship in that church? The Bible says to shout unto God. That's, wow, that guy keeps disturbing me, shouting. Well, it's disturbing me that you're not. Honestly. Honestly. It's like the Bible says shout unto God with cries of joy. For, now it gives us a why. For the Lord Most High is awesome, and He's a great, the great King over all the earth. See, that's a shouting point. That's a, why why don't you just clap your hands wherever you are? The Bible says to clap your hands. Come on, all campuses, clap your hands. Why don't you just give God a shout right where you are, just in obedience to the Word? That's good. That's good. Doesn't that feel good? It's like, well, pastor, we're not supposed to do that in church. No, what we're supposed to do in church is exactly what the Bible says to do in church. And you can take it literally or figuratively. I just choose to take it literally. And I want to tell you something about these wise men because they were on a search for something. Their their worship came out of this heart that was rewarded by the search that they were on. Let me just give you this. If you're going to find God, If you want, in this Christmas season, if you really want to find the king, you want to find him, you want to grow in your walk with God, you want to get closer to Jesus, I'm going to tell you some things in your journey, in your worship journey, in your encounter journey. The the first thing I want to tell you is there will always be a sign. The, The wise men followed a star. They followed a star. The star was not the Savior. The star led them to the Savior. They never worshiped the star. The star was a guide. Let me just tell you this. This church is a star. This church is not a crutch. This church is not your savior. This, this church is an arrow. It is a directional sign. It is a sign to our city that this is the way so that you can find Jesus. But it is not a replacement for Jesus. You know, people can hide in churches thinking that they have a relationship with God because they found a star. 
But the star was given to lead them to something. And the wise men followed the star. And when the star stopped, they didn't stand there and worship the star. They saw what the star was pointing to. And their worship, their affection, their direction, their attention switched from the star to the Savior. See, I'm going to tell you this about worship. God will always give you signs in your walk with God in how to find him. He, he will always, sometimes he'll just create desire. Sometimes he'll show you something in life. Sometimes he'll use your trial or the difficult time that you're going through to be a sign for you. To say, I, 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 think, I, I think I need God. I, I think I need him in my situation. He'll use your financial crisis to be a sign. You thought it was a sign that your life is ruined. But he's going to use that as, as a sign to switch your focus from you to him. See, we need any search for Jesus requires a real sign. A sign, but a sign looks different to you, and it looks different to me. But I'll tell you this is God's given me signs along the way, and signs that you would think are simple, signs that you might think are stupid, but they were signs to me that I need God. And that understanding of need for God is where a true worshiper can worship in spirit and in truth, because God, I need you. And God, you're all I need. And God, you're available to me. God, I want you. God, I desire you. And if I can stay aware of my need, I will consistently worship. I will consistently praise. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. A sign that he is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. The sign is never what we think it is. But it will lead us. The sign is never what we think it is. But it will lead us to where we need to be. I'm going to tell you, you might be in a season where you can't feel God. Where you can't see God. Maybe a situation's hit you and you're like, I'm doing all the right things. I've done, I've done widescreen, big screen. I've done wash the window. I've done prom queen. And I just still can't feel God. And I'm just going to tell you, in times where you can't see him, you have to look for signs. Sometimes I've found the way I've found signs is by looking backwards and seeing all the things that God's done for me, all the way that he's broke through, all the way that he saved me, all the way that he's rescued me. Sometimes the way forward is by remembering what he's done behind you, what he's done in the past. The second key to find Jesus in this season is it will always involve a search. You always need a sign, but it always involves a search. Many of us, we just want to like find him. And when we find Jesus, we want to, like, keep him. Like, tie him up, wrap him up. It's like, okay, you're mine. Like, you're not going anywhere. But I'm going to tell you, your worship adventure with Jesus is a constant search. Because the search shows the desperation of your heart. It shows that he is what you need. If you didn't have to look, listen, if you didn't have to look, you would just take what's given to you. And that's why many of us lean on the wrong thing. It's because we have to actually exert effort to find Jesus. The Bible teaches us this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. But the context of the scripture is not ask one time. Not find one time. It is seek and keep on seeking. Ask and keep on asking. It is I am going to be in a consistent search for God until I find him. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The, the, the wise men were on their way. 
to find Jesus. They left their lives. They left everything to find him. This is how Jesus later in the Gospels describes the gospel. He, he describes it this way. He says, it was like a treasure that was hidden in the field. And upon discovery, that person went and sold all they had so that they could buy that field. The wise men said, I see the star, and the star's leading me to something. So I'm going to leave home. I'm going to leave comfort. I'm going to leave the way I used to worship. I'm going to leave the way I used to do church. I'm going to leave the way that I used to walk with Jesus because I recognize there might be something more. And this is what I'd like to propose to you today is there might just be something more. There might be something deeper. There might be a deeper experience. There might be more to the greatness of God. There might be more to who he is and to the goodness he holds. There might be more to his character and to his nature. There might be more to his power than what we've experienced. But to experience it, it's going to take signs, but it's going to take search. It's going to take us searching. Integrity and intention are proven in the search. I'm just going to tell you, we weren't going to give up trying to find that wedding ring. We weren't because it was valuable. And the integrity and the intentionality of our hearts was proven in the search. We won't give up. Let me just ask you this. Can you still worship when you haven't found him? Can you worship him with just a sign? Can you worship him with just a star? Can you worship him with just a promise that he'll be there? Can you worship him with just, just, the, just the, 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 the word that's just put out in front of you that says, yeah, if you look for him, you'll find him. See, the promise in the word is that he will be found. It doesn't say when. It doesn't say how. It says he will be found. So the search becomes so important because the search changes you. The church, the, the search puts your attention and your dependability on God. The third key is it will always satisfy the soul. I want to tell you this. Satisfaction in God is not receiving from God. Satisfaction in God is found in worshiping God. I want to prove it to you because the wise men traveled over 900 miles to get to Jesus. They got to the place where the star was. They got to Jesus, and there they are. They're there with him, and they don't do anything to receive. They don't lay that baby hand on their head, have him pray for him. They don't do anything out of the ordinary. They just say, we came to worship then they begin to give him gifts. They begin to lay things at his feet. They begin, look, a sign, a search, and then satisfaction. See, this is how God works, is God is the only satisfier of your heart, of your soul. Even in church environments, you can go to church and you can get your heart satisfied other places, but he is the satisfier of your soul. Psalm 63, verse 4 and 5 says, I will praise as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. You ever wonder why we lift up hands in church? The Bible says to lift up your hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food, foods, with singing lips. You ever wonder why we sing in church? With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. I want to read it to you again. I will praise you as long as I live. I'll worship you. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Let me give you another one. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest 
affair. You know what this scripture is saying? Don't try to satisfy yourself in things that are outside of him. Because the only satisfaction you're going to truly find that is not temporary is in him. He is the satisfier of our souls. That's who he is. So what is worship? Worship is knowing who he is and telling him who he is. It is letting things come out of my mouth. It is responses in my posture. I lift up my hands. I lift up a shout. I clap my hands. I bow my knee. All kinds of different postures of worship that are in the scripture. And we give worth to God. Not because God is in need. Not because God needs it, but because we do. Let me just say it this way. We do not worship because things are good. We worship because he is good. That right there is the posture of the worshiper. I'm not worshiping or failing to worship because things are good or not good. I have chosen to worship God no matter what I'm going through, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what I face. I have made up my mind. I'm a worshiper. I might be a wandering worshiper. I might not found the Savior like everybody else found him. He may not have shown up for me like he showed up for everybody else, but I've got a sign. I've got his word. I've got his promises. I've got the things he wrote that he said he'd never leave me and he'd never forsake me. I have a belief in my heart that if I look for him, if I search for him, he will be found by me. And he's not found just so I can say he's found. When I find him, I worship him. And from worshiping him, my soul is satisfied. John Wesley said this, sing spiritually, sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself. Attend strictly to the sense of what you sing. And see that your heart is not carried away with the sound. But offered to God continually. We can get carried away with the sound. You can sing a song and say, like, oh that's my song. I listen to that on the radio. And all of a sudden, hands go up. You're worshiping. You're singing. It's like, wow, that was worship. No, that was familiar. Worship songs, the reason we sing songs is because they help us. They help us connect to God. They help us open our heart to God. But I, I just, just caution you, don't get so caught up with the sound that you miss the connection to the Savior. These wise men believed in Christ when they'd never seen him. But that was not all. They believed in him when the scribes and Pharisees were unbelieving. But that again was not all. They believed in him when they saw him as a little infant on Mary's knees. And they worshipped him as a king. This was the crowning point of their faith. They saw no miracles to convince them. They heard no teaching to persuade them. They saw no signs of divinity and greatness to overawe them. When they saw that infant, they believed that they had seen the Savior of the world. Verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2 says, And they bowed down and they worshiped. I'm going to tell you something about your God. Your God, the Bible says in Psalm 22, is enthroned on the praises of his people. Worship is the sound that connects your heart to God. And it's not a song, it's not a style, it's whatever is in your heart. 
your deepest cry, your deepest desire, your deepest ambition, your deepest need, whatever it is, worship is what connects that to God. Because worship tells God who he is, not what I need. Worship tells God what what we know he can do, not what my situation is telling me is going to happen. Well, worship sounds like worship is just like a fantasy. It's just a lie. No, it's a declaration of whatever is found in the Word. And if my Bible says that He can do it, then I worship Him as one who will do it. I don't know what you've searched for. Maybe you searched for the wrong thing. Maybe you've searched in the wrong way. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you've dealt with. I don't know the, the, the life situations that have hit you. But I want you to know, worship is not something we just do at the beginning of a service. It's not just a fast song, a couple slow songs, and transition. It is more than that. It is a condition of the heart. It happened and should happens outside of this service, outside of this building. It should happen in your car. It should happen in your home. Worship is my posture. It is my attention on God. It is my connecting piece. It is saying, God, you're all I need, and you will meet every need that I have. I worship you like it's already done. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. I want to give you this in the message. Taught the interns this week and told them this scripture. I, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. This is God's promise to you, is that if you look for him, he will be found by you. Do you know why most believers don't find him? Is because they think it's a look and find. But it's a sign and a search that leads to satisfaction. It is the search. It is the, David said it this way. He said, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. I think we've lost this in modern culture, in modern Christianity, Americanized Christianity. We've got to desire him again. Like the wise men, they said, I'll leave everything. I'll leave everything behind. I've just got to get to where he is. I've heard rumors. I've heard prophecies. I've got to get to where he is. And maybe you've heard stories. And maybe you've heard testimonies of how God could speak or how God could move or how God could break through. I'm going to tell you they're not fairy tales. They're actual, real testimonies of what God can do and you can engage with him on another level by your worship that's why we give you that environment that's why we give you that place in the service to learn how to connect with God it's why we lift our hands because he's worthy it's why we lift our voice because he's king it's why we bow our knee or we stand in praise or lift our voices because of who he is this is God's promise to you that if you look for him He will be found by you if you look for him with all your heart. That's that's the catch. That's only the, the only catch is that you do it with all your heart. Not just on Sundays. Not just a group. But I'm going to look for him. I'm going to desire him. I'm going to run after him. I'm going to look at him and look for him with everything that I have. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.